Welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libations. Hello, I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And, and this, this is, is Life, life Pairings. pairings. <laughs> because life is hard. Compare it with alcohol. It starts with the best of intentions. This time, you'll purge so much of your stuff that there'll hardly be anything for the movers. Queue 24 hours before they arrive and you are now just hucking everything in a box and swearing you will never move again. As today's life pairing is moving with Pabst Blue Ribbon. We discuss tape guns, May 1st, and Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Uh (laughs) uh-oh i don't like that last one it makes me uncomfortable a little nervous (laughs) (laughs) yeah well um this is a special episode because uh carla just moved to calgary and so this is fresh fresh on the brain this is i got I got discussion topics for everyone. <laughs> this is, not only does she know a lot about it, but she's angry too. <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of things that I <laughs> never moving again, as everybody says. Well, I'll let you um, go first then. What does it mean to you seeing as you've just completed it? Well, this is I think I've done the math right on this. I think this is my ninth move in 14 years. So that's wow. too many. <laughs> That's a lot. (laughs) So I need to stop moving. Um, And yeah, it's one of those things that I always get so excited about it. And then then it just ends in breakdowns and tears and yelling and fighting with a tape gun, which I've never actually moved before with a tape gun. I've never used one. Uh, I don't see one. I've probably got more cuts and uh, weird tape things going on than before. So I want to talk to someone about that. So what it's like, you mean just like a, like a regular old tape gun, like just like a big old packing tape with the little, maybe I got the shittiest version. So I don't think so. But it does not cut the tape. No, it does (laughs) not. You got to get into a swing. There's a, there's a real swing Uh, of things you got to get into with a tape gun. Well, I guess for my next move, maybe I'll have better practice. (laughs) Few training on your tape guns, people, before you for you move. so carla moved from uh, vancouver to calgary mm-hmm. uh in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> also so, great timing so it had extra it had extra stress attached to it on january 1st too, oh yeah on january 1st <laughs> i was like hey. how can i make this the most complicated thing and make it even harder yeah well, was it, do you feel, um, is there a sense of relief being now yes. done? Are you like, oh, okay, we did the thing. We, we got through it all. I mean, that's the thing with moving is you don't have a lot of choice. No. You have to get through it. So, um, yeah, it went, you know, movers came. We moved out of the house. <laughs> we moved into the house. Movers left. All good. So Now you got... 14 billion boxes to uh unravel and i've actually been really good with the boxes this time i think it's probably because i'm not working full-time um just doing this podcast well it is kind of it is a nice it's like a nice thing that you actually like 
normally you have a lot of people in your house. Everybody wants to see yeah. the place. Everybody's coming over. You usually throw a party. There's, you know, it's yeah. like, it's all very stressful and it's like, okay, everyone's going to be here. So, and then you kind of just like, by the time you clean up and get settled, then you go back to work. There's not a lot of time to get unpacked and settled in your no, new place. Exactly. You're kind of, and that's why you end up with boxes in your basement for six years or whatever. Um, this one I can, I'm moving slowly. I'm going to organize. I'm going to pick, you know, room, palettes, whatever, color schemes. That's my plan anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing palettes. I'm doing color schemes. <laughs> I'm <Woo>! doing... <laughs> I, uh, I have not moved a lot in my life. I have no, to say. I've been in your house for how well, long do you think? You know, just about coming out on 15 years, just about. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I've been here as an adult. I've made one move. Yeah. Um, I moved from my parents' home to this home, and I have not left. I haven't even switched bedrooms. <laughs> like, hey, I can't... I've had a lot of people move in and out of here um, because I'm like a uh, I'm like a comedian slumlord. Like I every yeah. com every comic in the world that needs a place to stay, I'm like, you want to live in here? <laughs> um, <laughs> But I also uh, had a lot of friends growing up. Like when we first moved out, I, you know, I moved in with some girlfriends. Uh, a friend of the pod, Lena, lived here. Uh, we had probably, oh, I don't know. I mean, I bet you there's been like 15 people in 15 years who have lived here. Right. I mean, uh, you know. So all... you've had to deal with moving even though you actually haven't moved. So Yeah. And everyone leaves their shit here. Like everyone mm -hmm. leaves boxes of shit here and I'll find like something and they're like, Oh yeah, that's a weight bench. I didn't know what to do with. And I was like, what do you think? <laughs> so you can just deal with it. That's Even the my thing with moving. It's, it's that last little shit. It's the last little things. <sighs> so it's, I haven't had a ton of experience moving. I mean, as a comic, I kind of live out of a bag anyways, typically. Right. Um, like I, one thing I've, I've gotten really good at is moving in and out of other people's houses, like on a weekly basis. Right. So it's like, I, what I do is I like, I have a little system. I keep all my clothes and everything in the trunk of the car. And then I have a, uh, like a to-go bag. So I only right. pack like a backpack to go into somebody's house. Yeah. So that yeah, way. You do pack up pretty quick and like pretty, uh, into like a, a lot of small little little compartments i know i have like a i have like a rule i have like a good backpack with lots of compartments and i literally like i can come to a person's house i can stay there for two days without having to like what you learn is is like if you're staying in someone's house you're a burden so you're kind of like you are in their way so like the least you can be in somebody's way and in their life the best and sometimes right. flapping a giant suitcase on someone's floor is yeah. like it's so irritating to them because they're like oh there's nowhere for this to go and in a lot of places i'm staying there's sometimes three or four comics that are like already living there and i'm just on the couch right. or something so i'm just like my whole life is in their life so yeah that's my only real like sort of uh recent experience with moving is just sort of uh, uh on a weekly basis playing different cities yeah yeah that's a form of moving i think yeah i think so um, yeah. A lot of psychology attached to moving. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> like, more than I would have ever thought. Right. It's such a hardship for people. <laughs> so um, one of the more interesting articles I found was in the New York Times, and it was uh, entitled The Psychology of Moving. Mm. Uh, the author, Sarah Kershaw, uh, writes 
whether one moves frequently or almost never, moving is an intensely emotional experience. The underlying psychological issues involved in real estate decisions are of great interest to therapists and psychologists. Because housing and moving are filled with symbolism. The hope for new beginnings, crushing disappointments, loss, anxiety, and fear. So one thing they really talk about here is... uh, is actually people who never leave where they are and people who leave too much where they are. All right. So both of us are on that. that kind of on that. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing for ta- people who move a lot, um, there's a psychologist, that same psychologist talks about um, people who move a lot tend to be risk, ta- like bigger risk takers. Right. Or, or maybe they moved a lot as children. But that's not true for you. You you were in the no, same place. But I'm a big, I'm a big risk taker. <laughs> well, <to> my mom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, they marry. They maybe experience what uh, what is called Freud or what Freudian analysts call repetition compulsion or a Goldilocks complex, always looking for just the right place. Yeah, that's me too. That, is it? Or the like, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, or whatever. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I have to stop moving. That will fix it. Well, so this is this is where the Alcoholics Anonymous uh, comes in. <laughs> uh, some therapists borrow the term used in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, they call frequent moving pulling a geographic, seeking external changes mm. to change internal problems. So that's something that uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous they discuss. They say like you're you know like they, you're just pulling the plug. You're just like I'm out of here. I'm going to start a new thing. I'm going to move to a new place, and then it's going to be all different from there. Right. Um. Uh. I'm like I need to. I'm taking notes here. <laughs> call my therapist <laughs> immediately after this podcast is done. I'm calling my therapist. Um, but Elizabeth uh, Sterling, a psychologist uh, from Santa Fe who specializes in helping people make life's changes, says no matter how much you move, you still take yourself with you. Right. So, but on the other hand, (laughs) on the other hand, those who rarely move can be frozen in fear. uh, Psychologists say the prospect of leaving the place that is the center of your universe or the constant in your life can be very frightening. Um, Even finding a new dry cleaner, deli or coin laundry can stir up deep worries of impending isolation, fear and loneliness. When was this article written? 1995? No, dude. This is like a pretty recent article because a lot of... Who has that... Who's looking for a new coin laundry? Dude, there's coin laundry. (laughs) (laughs) That's... I mean, that's a big Toronto and like New York and big city thing. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Like those old cities, the funny thing about those old cities, there's not like new places that are like, ooh, the newest dryers. It's like still old... And a lot of actually, when I worked on elevators uh, in buildings and stuff, people go down with a bunch of coins and do their. Oh yeah, dry. I've I've lived in a few places with the old coin laundry, uh, not in the building as well. So um, you gotta go just, out to do it. Yeah, that's no fun. Um, it's super cool when most of your clothes have to be hung dry. I oh, remember God. my uh, roommate Alicia and I hauling our suitcases down five blocks. A down the street of wet clothes back to our house. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that interesting was... point. Now, do you find that you are suffering when you have to go decide to find a new coin laundry? Yes. <laughs> well, you know what though, but I I am the person that like leaving my um 
my setup and what I'm used to and stuff like that. I don't love that. Right. Like I'm, I, I'm pretty close with my family. I've, uh, I mean, I bought a house pretty young and so I've been, I've literally just been here because it's the best option I have. Right. So to but you move, tried new things and you also became a comedian, which I don't think would be a, yeah, I did exactly like a safe bet, I guess. Is that? No, I am a risk taker, but I'm, I'm pretty calculated in those risks where I'm right. like, okay, like what are the, what's the risk reward here? Like, what am I, what am I gaining from giving everything up? You know, with that, yeah. I, I was truly, I, I was like, I mean, it was something that every day I was like, I'm quitting this horseshit job <laughs> for 12 years. And then finally I just, everyone was like, fine, quit, go, no one cares. Yeah. Um, <laughs> every, everyone wants you to leave. You're only here twice a week anyways. You're a drain on the system. I, uh, <laughs> But no, so like I, I, I've stayed put in here. I, the last time I moved, like when I moved from my parents, I was in grade seven. Right. Um, no. yeah. Oh, you moved with your parents. Yeah. Moved with my parents. Okay. Sorry. I was like, I'm sorry like, you moved out when you were in grade seven. That's too early. You're 11 years old living on your own. <laughs> no, I lived, I lived with my parents, uh, in the same, I think we moved maybe three or four times right okay um but like lots early on and then pretty much from like 11 to they still live in the same house now yeah yeah so yeah i'm kind of a and i'm a bit of a when i am home i'm a bit of a homebody so i kind of just i like my things i i don't the things i want to change or just have nothing to do with where i live right and i always feel like i can be i always tell people like if you if i need to be in toronto they have planes yeah which is not the industry's favorite thing to hear from me. <laughs> You're like, you guys throw out your coin laundry situation and then I'll think about it. <laughs> They're like, you arrogant fuck. I'm like, I just don't want to live there. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I, I like this city. I like, I like being close to my family and, and I like, it's, you know, owning a house. You, there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that, with moving. So I do, mm -hmm. but I, but I would categorize myself is that I am, I am fearful of leaving and okay. yeah. I do like change, but not, not on that massive of a level. Like right. that's a, that's a huge level for me. So I always mm -hmm. respect, I always respect somebody that can just pack up and fucking get started somewhere else. It's like, I mean, you fun. can just move across the street too. Like it's, you don't <laughs> yeah that's true yeah you don't have to always yeah <laughs> i'm just like ah, i got so much to pack there's mice in the garage i don't want to put that on someone else's plate <laughs> but yeah so uh, a lot of this is is uh was really interesting to to come across because it's not it's not, it's not until you read it that you go like oh yeah that's me yeah yeah um but also uh, one, one of the major things too is like sorting through your belongings Mm -hmm. is kind of a it can be a really happy experience or it can be a really overwhelming experience you know or mm -hmm. it can be like oh it sort of gives like you start to reevaluate your life if you're a really like um materialistic person and you start to see like all the things oh, i don't have a lot there's not a lot to go like that can start to put a price on what you think you're your situation is worth and everything so it, it was really for me i think that would be one of the better things I, i'd love to declutter and just like size down and get rid of half the shit you know yeah i mean i'm a stuff person and i love shopping so and so does my husband well he doesn't love shopping he just 
does he he may have hoarding tendencies <laughs> but shh, don't tell him um <laughs> or do tell him because he should know that uh but anyways we have a lot of stuff and it was actually a complaint of the movers <laughs> really <laughs> that's a little point in my life but um but whatever we're stuff people it's fine uh but yeah i definitely i think maybe that's the reason i keep trying to move is because it keeps the stuff down <laughs> Just keep if, if i lived in one place i would become you know one of those people on hoarders so my buddy when he moved out of here he actually moved across the pond he moved over to england and uh when he moved he just moved with a backpack on his shoulders wow like and I just was like, and he he told me that. He's like, I don't like to be bogged down by stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, me either sitting on my stuff mountain. Where I'm <laughs> yeah, like, this is a book that I read in the fifth grade that I felt had <laughs> sentimental value. <laughs> I have yeah. some hoarding tendencies, I think. Yeah. I, um, I like Costco. I like having, I don't want to worry about not having enough toilet paper or um, chopped tomato cans. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, me too. I mean, I go to Costco <laughs> and I'm, I'm always like, do you know what I get that I don't know? Here's a little Costco uh, tip. Mm. Um, they have these dry hash browns. So they're oh. like, they're like freeze dry hash browns essentially. So you just keep them in the pantry oh. and you add water to them and they rehydrate and they're shredded hash browns and they're oh, delicious. Nice. I do love a good shredded hash brown. Dude, I'm gonna bring you a, a thing of it. Too it looks work to do it yourself. Like that's that's yeah. Work. It's I used to like it's you know what it, you have to like shred the potato, wash it all, yeah. get rid of all the starch, and then you have to wait till it dries. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. No. So Ooh. this is actually I'm gonna give you a package of these because I can't. Okay. Like I said, I hoard them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because certainly right now in a pandemic too, like I found mm. myself one thing that I find that I'm like hoardy about is yeah. like making sure i have enough food so like can i yeah. i've never had so many cans in my life of stuff of just like fruit and vegetables yeah. and tuna and protein and you know i was the same way i we, when we knew we were moving i kind of was able to stop that but i think it is a big comfort thing to be able to be like and it's not the most ridiculous thing anyways to make sure that you have two weeks of food no it's it's a healthy thing to do i i yeah. mean I, you I need all that stuff. pretzels with peanut butter, like a like a <laughs> one kilo, four hundred kilogram container. No, probably not. Just in case, you don't know. <laughs> but I also too like if you go to Costco, Costco's a pain in the dink to go to. So yeah, I like have. to I like to go and stock up, so I only have to go once a month because there yeah. there are some Costco items that I'm just like, okay, this is what I, I like like. A lot of stuff, there's like some stuff that is just like so much cheaper there than it is yeah. anywhere else. Like almond butter, because I can't have peanut butter. Mm-hmm. But so I keep almond butter and yeah. for like a small little jar, like a, like the babiest jar you've ever seen is like $15 at the grocery store. But if you go to Costco, oh, yeah. it's like $8.99 for like a tub of it. <laughs> like yeah. It's so- Yes, exactly. And I like almond butter uh, on my yogurt, so it's just like things like that. I do keep maybe a little too much of. And if I if I have to move, I yeah. I would imagine that I would be sort of horrified at what I had kept and what I thought was, <laughs> was absolutely yeah. important. Yeah, and like things do. I found out a lot of things that you think don't expire do expire. So, oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I had this <laughs> argument with my girlfriend. Like, oh. They were like, do you eat a can of lentils that expired in 2014? 
<laughs> you'd be surprised it was a real half and half response people were like things in cans don't go bad yeah it's a hard one i don't think they do go bad i mean i threw out some rotel yeah, tomatoes because literally i found a 2007 expiry date the other day and i was oh, like yeah that's a little I was like, I don't know. That's uh, throwing something in there. Yeah, you're (laughs) you're a hankering for a stomach spanker and yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, but uh, yeah. All in all, moving it's it's incredibly. uh, It it puts a lot of strain on um, your own personal mental well being, relationships uh yeah it's it's a big undertaking for sure I'm sure as you know yes yes um but uh is that your psychology yeah yeah give us a little history okay so if you think moving just in general is stressful and chaotic just be thankful you did not live in New York City before World War II because they had moving day what do you mean? One day. One day. If you what? lived in New York City, yeah. your moving day was May 1st. So like anybody, everybody, okay, I I need to yeah. just listen to what's okay. happening. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's <laughs> an insane thing. Uh, there's some good, uh, if you want to listen to some uh, podcasts on it, Futility Closet and The Dollop do a very good one. Um, but basically this has been happening, they think maybe since colonial times. And then up until World War II. So this it's thought maybe to have started because originally the Dutch owned Manhattan and they used to call it New Amsterdam. Okay. Which is why that stupid TV show was, was called that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they bought Manhattan, bought, bought in quotes, Manhattan from the Native Americans. And their first journey was on May 1st. I don't really understand. Like, if they like, all moved in on May 1st. I can't believe that that's a thing. But anyways... They celebrated every year by moving houses on that day. And so I have to sort I I have to figure out here. So people just everybody moved on that like you had to move to a new place every time or what? It's like if you were gonna move it had to be on May first. Yeah, so what 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 would happen is that throughout the city, for some reason, uh, May first became the date of the leases. So leases would run this is for renting. Leases would run from May first to may 1st right okay um and landlords would inform their uh, tenants of a rent increase on february 1st so that gave you three months notice to change where you lived if you didn't want to pay the new rent increase um and if you wanted to change houses then you would have to be out on the first i see okay that makes more sense to me i kind of for some reason in my head in this alternate universe it was like (laughs) a game of hot potato and everyone just had to move on may first like pick a new place everyone it kind of was um you basically you had to be out of your residential lease on may 1st at 9 a.m and you had to be into your new place by 3 p.m so Everyone that's renting is pretty much moving on this day because they don't want to pay this more, this higher rent. They are going to go out looking and see if they can find a place that has less rent. And it's also kind of considered a, a, a bit of a tradition to move housing every year. So, also, it was it, it was something that people were like doing. They were like, "Yeah, it's time to move." Yeah, yeah, kind of. I think okay. I don't know what the the portion of that would be but that's definitely part of it and in 1820 
uh, they mandated that no other, if there was no other date specified on a housing contract, it would be May 1st. So even though this started, like, they think even from the 1600s, um, in 1820, this really solidified this May 1st date. So how do you move in the 1800s <laughs> when there's Horse no cars? And yes. Really? Exactly. Yeah. Oh so horse-drawn carriages would cart the belongings of basically every New York renter every year on May 1st. That's so, a lot of horse shit in the street. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so these cartmen were book solid, obviously. And they even, people said they would put on airs for the two weeks prior. Um, but basically they just worked one day a year uh, and they could set their own prices for a lot of the times uh, in 1890 they did do a bit of a um, tried to like keep the wages to a set rate so one of these is it was two dollars for one horse truckload within two miles and then 50 cents extra per mile so that works out to about 57 dollars today and 14 dollars but like that's that's Still quite a bit of money back then. Yeah. So some people would pay up to two weeks wages or sorry, a week's wages wow. to be moved. And and obviously like it's kind of, it's a, a finite resource. So you want to get in there. So I'm guessing, and I didn't read a lot about this, but I'm guessing there's going to be a bit of a haggling, maybe some stealing, good old oh, gazelle thing. Yeah. So, you know, um, and everybody would try to hire these guys. So even local farmers would come into town so they could earn a little extra wages because they had carts. So it was and, literally anybody who had a cart and, you know, horses, yeah. they were like, okay, this is the time to make a little extra coin. Exactly. It yeah. was the skip the di- It was the gig economy. It was the <laughs> it skip was, the dishes of yesteryear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you refused to pay your cart men once you, revi- you arrived at your destination... They would take all your belongings to the police station. And apparently this was not an uncommon occurrence. <laughs> so I'm not sure what they were thinking when they got their stuff yeah. in the house. But yeah. It's uh, not like getting in a cab. You can't run anywhere. You get, you gotta, uh-uh. Can you imagine getting into a cab with a mattress? Like what are you going to do? Yeah. You're like, you got to pay the guy. <laughs> <laughs> they have your stuff. Um, but yeah, all of this, it basically put the city into an entire standstill. And this was every year because all these cartmen are running around with all those horses and all these, everybody's crap. Um, and sometimes tenants were still at the new lease that you would move to and there'd be kind of like a standoff thing that would occur. Um, people described it as like a plague, as anarchy. Yeah. Uh, so a little, little not so. That's crazy. I mean, if you can even just imagine trying to like move out of your house and move into somebody else's house while they move out of their house on the same day. Yeah. Like even that's just a... That's literally what my house looked like for 10 years. <laughs> Truly. Sometimes we'd have people living, like, uh, somebody, somebody would sleep on the couch until the other person was, like, due to move out. Oh, no. <laughs> like, it'd be like, get your shit out. <laughs> There's somebody waiting for your room. Yeah, yeah. There's a line. Yeah. Uh, rent control laws in the 20th century offered renters price increase protection. So you basically couldn't like hike up the rent as much anymore. Okay. So that didn't mean that they had to go look for a cheaper place. So I don't like, I still don't 100% really understand this because why as a landlord would you want people to move? Because if they left, are you going to then 
like if the wage if you're say renting a place for five dollars mm-hmm. and then you say well it's actually going to be six dollars now and they go okay fine we're going to leave are you going to then then people are going to come looking for a better deal so then you're gonna have to go back to five i don't know anyway i have here. to say i haven't i haven't rented in so long but uh or <laughs> Do ever you think it's five dollars it's not five dollars, but <laughs> I uh, I have a friend that you know his apartment gets they it's a new uh, fee every every year it goes up yeah. like there's only yeah. so much it can go up, yes. but like it's a every single year it gets raised that amount. Oh yeah, absolutely, and I I'm guessing like these were being raised quite a bit, if that was just kind of part of the culture. I guess I don't know. Right? I'm yeah, old. it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but. A lot of things people did in the past doesn't make a lot of sense to me, so yeah. that's fair. Um, also, the city grew a ton. So in 1830, it was 200,000 people. In 1875, it was 1 million people. Say so those numbers again. 200,000 people. In to a million. To a million in 1875. So 45 years later, I think. Holy dynamite. I did my math correctly on that. Um, so... Um, eventually people started moving out a few days before and then it became a moving week, which I don't know if that's any better. It's just kind of chaos spread out, maybe slightly less, but out throughout the whole week. I could just imagine trying to get to work during that that day. Like, oh, for fuck's sake. You're just the one guy that didn't move. (laughs) You're like, oh, this needs to get past all these banged up on May 1st. I knew I should have taken vacation. Um, (laughs) In 1873, they built more housing, so then that reduced the rental amounts um, that people had to pay. Uh, in 1922, uh, there were new regulations that stopped rents from being raised a huge amount. Um, and then also, one of the kind of nails in the coffin, I suppose, for this was during, and I can't believe it's this late, World War II, all the able-bodied men were away fighting, so there wasn't anyone to do the moving. Oh my god. So they were like, oh, we can't do this anymore. Um, and also there was a huge population increase, which caused then a shortage of housing. So that pretty much put an end to everything. Oh, my God. But, yeah. And I mean, obviously, New York real estate is now the most expensive. One of the most expensive in the world. Well, uh, yeah. Maybe after Vancouver. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the like, actually, kind of what you're talking about, with it being a little bit of a renewal, they actually saw it as very much as a, a renewal ritual. There were bonfires, dancing, kids had the time off. So it was almost like a holiday. Um, some people even just changed houses every year just for fun, for like a bit of a, I don't know, exciting new thing to do, I suppose. There wasn't a lot going on in the 1800s, so. Yeah, it's gotta be there's that moving moving day everyone's like it's a short log anymore like i'm gonna go to the arcade oh what there's no arcades because it's 18 whatever no netflix i guess we'll just have to wait till moving day to have a bonfire <laughs> and it also it may have forged this modern sense of new york city which is being able to get through anything because i mean yeah this is chaos on a yearly basis. Yeah. Now they have that ball drop thing. So yeah, they got the ball drop chaos. thing. There's an owl that flies out of there now every year. No, that's part of the thing. They got to put the owl in there. So they oh, oh, yeah. new owl for the year. Um, but you think it's, so you think like, oh, this is crazy. This is going to only happen in history. 
wait a second. Hand this tight. also happens in Quebec, of all places. Really? Uh, it happened until 1973 that they would move every May 1st. And now they've changed it to July 1st. They've not stopped it. Really? It's just now on July 1st because it's warmer. In 2013, they estimated 115 residents just in Montreal moved, which is about 7% of the population. Oh, my God. On one day. So it's still a thing. Like, people are still yeah. like, I don't even understand this. Quebec, what are you doing? Oh, they're so old-timey. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's very, like, that's just such a frustrating thing. I, I guess it's uniform, right? I mean, everybody knows yeah. it's coming. Everybody knows what's up. There's rules surrounding it. So it's like, why change the, if it ain't broke? But also the thing is, is like, and a lot of them, I guess, they'll maybe move them like across the street. They generally move within their neighborhood. Right. But they also take all their appliances. Oh, see, this is another thing, too. Like here in, I well, most places, I mean, I guess in the suburbs more than anything. But you generally, when you sell a house, you you sell it with the appliances. Yeah. Or yeah, when you rent a house, better. like you don't rent a place without a dishwasher and a laundry. Like it comes yeah. with the... Uh, you know, so they're not only moving all their stuff; they're moving the washer and dryer, and the stove, and the fridge. And oh like, I've never been to Montreal. Maybe you can help me out on this, but like, it's pretty small staircases up to those. Like, it's uh, yeah. Right? I mean, it's 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 sort of reminiscent of. I mean, New- Toronto is kind of the same. New York is the same. It's very Boston. You know, like it's like. Hmm. It's just the places are really old. So everything's really narrow. The streets are kind of narrow. The, you know, like there's a lot more walk-ups, you know, like not every place has an elevator or not, you know, and a lot of places like this might be not a great place to do this. Yeah. Like, you know what? Like I was trying to make sense of it, but like no place (laughs) seems like a great place to do this. No, I don't think so. But yeah, that seems to be an excessive, uh, Extra, yeah. extra addition to the confusion and uh, chaos. So, so that's yeah, that's a uh, moving day. That is oh, well, great history, Carla. Oh, thank you. Um, I never have to go through that. Yeah, I don't want to just not move again. I just definitely don't want to move with everyone else. Yeah, I and I certainly don't want to deal with horse and buggy. <laughs> I'm also I'm that very allergic to horses. Gonna get on your stuff. Oh no, yeah. that would be not good. Too. I'm dying not only do you have to deal with all the dust while you're moving, then you I'm just such a bubble horses. boy. <laughs> I am. <Aww. laughs> well, um, funny you should mention uh, the people of New York because ah. uh, the article I found is actually not necessarily uh, specific to New York. Uh, but New York is one of the places where a lot of people now with the pandemic are fleeing from. People are fleeing from right. big cities because a lot of the reasons people went to big cities was to work in great big firms and offices. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in the entertainment industry go to New York, Toronto, L.A., uh, Montreal. And there's no reason for anybody to have to be there anymore because... Right. Right now, for, you know, all those places are shut down. And for people in offices, they realize pretty quickly, we can, people can work for us remotely. They're happier. And we don't have to pay for a space to put them. Right. But also try working from home in a one bedroom 
500 <laughs> square foot with your partner and your dog. Yeah. And that's the thing is people realized very quickly um, they were uh, not enjoying being there. So actually yeah. in 2019, even before the pandemic, there were, they estimated a New York was leaving 376 residences per day. Uh, oh, wow. To domestic migration in 2019, and huh. an increase of more than a hundred per day from previous. That's an increase of a hundred per day uh, from the previous year. Oh wow! So after it became sort of the epicenter for the outbreak in in early March, then everything like just quadrupled. So, right. um, and it's not just New York; it is it's L.A. as well. So a lot of people that were living in Los Angeles and even Southern California have now started migrating to places like Texas and Ooh. Nashville and just places where you could live in a big city for a reasonable price because a lot of these houses are so overpriced. Yeah. Well, you're so, paying for the land, not even the house. And like in New York, I mean, oh my God, even to rent a hotel in New York, like you're not getting much for like two, 300 yeah. bucks a night. Yeah. So an apartment that they rent in New York, I mean, Christ, you could rent a, a two-story, uh, five-bedroom house with, a, you know, however much land mm -hmm. for what you're getting mm -hmm. in New York. So people are realizing, like, the happiness of living in these big cities is uh, not quite what it was uh, pumped up to be. So, right. yeah, so uh, they estimated uh, 376 uh, residences per day, and that was 2019. And there isn't yet a figure uh, as a per day figure for 2020, but I did find that fleeing New Yorkers resulted in an estimated $34 billion in loss income Oh, uh, for 2020. Oh, jeez. So, like... All those people are like, yo, I can work in North Dakota and be yeah. with my family. Like, this yeah. sucks. <laughs> I do wonder if that will get reversed in the future. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know. Well, actually, sorry, I, I, I said I, I spoke too soon. Um, All told, uh, in 2020, uh, 70,000 people left the Metropolitan this year. Uh, right. Roughly working people uh resulting in roughly 34 billion dollars in lost income right so wow. uh and uh oh what is this so that was that that's just like the working stats and then it says about 3.57 million people left new york this year between january 1st and december 7th right okay. so yeah that's uh that's a lot of people new trend the new trend leaving big cities so i know yeah. that's a it's a big trend in the comedy industry um mm. like big uh big dog joe rogan moved from um uh los angeles down to austin texas and he oh, just said sorry. i'm just starting a scene in austin Hell. Texas. sorry what's that <laughs> nothing I oh you hate joe rogan i love joe i don't rogan. hate him i just i'm very upset that he had alex jones i thought that was very uh irresponsible uh, well, Alex Jones is a psychopath. It's, like, funny yeah, to watch him. I know, but don't give him a... he That big of a platform? <laughs> yeah, don't give him a platform. Don't let him <laughs> talk to anybody. He's doing a lot of damage. <laughs> He's a crazy person. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, he... But that, that was a thing. He, he just sort of decided, like, you know what? There's, like, there's too many rules in Los Angeles. There's too much. Uh, there's too many people. 
um there's you know now now with corona there's there's a lot of there's it's a bad situation down there so people don't want to live in these great big cities anymore people are are and much like yourself you move from vancouver a huge city to back down to to calgs yeah and that was like that's also a family thing too like i think um that might be my age returning to home or whatever but um yeah, I mean, definitely it's going to be interesting to see what happens in places like Vancouver, where there is such a small... Vancouver City is very small. It's basically like an island. Yeah, um, there's not a, not a lot of space there. No, so the downtown area. So, you know, seeing, you know, depending, it's very tech-centered as well. It would be interesting to see in three or four years if they decide to keep the Googles and the, you know, Amazons and all that kind of stuff down there and and have offices or if people are just wanting to move. Basically, it sounds like everybody wants to move to Kelowna on the island from. Oh, man. Well, it's. I suppose. Yeah. The the funny thing is, is like uh, if the if the place is desirable, you know, people want to live there. So everybody Mm -hmm. moves there. If it's near a waterway, most more often than not, it's a port for a lot of things. So, Yeah. yeah. You know, and that that would that would explain Vancouver, uh, Los Angeles, and um, New, York. Uh, New York. They're all yeah. right on the you know the edge. So, yeah, yeah but it, it, like you said, it's a family thing too. People, people just like don't really see the point of like working for these big corporations in another city if they're not happy and they could do that from home from where they wanted to, anyways. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that was my uh, that was my news story. Just uh, a lot of people fleeing from these big cities and uh, a pretty big dollar amount on what what's being lost from these particular yeah. places. Yeah, very interesting, and also no tourism. So for those kind of places, that's going to be a it'll be very different places when we get out of this. Hopefully, when we, we get out of this. But you know, we've always gotten out of this. So. But there's also too like I mean there's there's also a younger generation too though that you know New York's not going to become an undesirable place. Yeah. Like you know people want to go people still want to go to New York so there'll be a whole other generation that then says well I'll go there and live in these tiny little apartments but perhaps exactly. if you're between exactly. the ages of 30 to 50 you're thinking oh, I'm going somewhere <laughs> no. else. I'm moving <laughs> I home. need baby. an elevator. Yeah. So no more walk-ups. Oh, interesting. Um, do you want to talk about the drink that we have chosen? Do I ever. I, uh, <laughs> I think we chose this. We chose a uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon, which is, uh, kind of a popular cheap beer. Yeah. Um, and we just chose it because when you're moving, I mean, and your friends, you got to get your friends to help you. Pizza and beer. Yeah. You need Pretty pizza. Standard. You need beer. Yeah. Like, don't be the guy who gets all his buddies to move them and then everyone's hungry at the end of the night and then just have a couple of cases of beer sitting out, a couple of boxes of pizza, throw them on the table. Everybody can help themselves and get the hell out of your lives. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we chose Pla- Paps Blue Ribbon just because I think it's actually it's one of the better beers that's a little bit cheaper. So yeah. I thought it'd be fun to do. Um, and it has kind of an interesting history to it. Well, I didn't realize, and I was just looking at my can on the way up to my office today, uh, up the stairs. I'm not traveling. <laughs> uh, sorry, that sounded like I was doing something exciting. Uh, 1844 established. Established in 1844, and they were actually oh, sorry, 1844. Yeah, 1844. Uh, as uh, they were originally called Best Selects, 
uh, best select and then Pabst select. Um, Pabst and the name thing is going to annoy me. I can't say it. Pabst. Pabst. <laughs> Sorry, it's... I'll just stop. Let's call it PBR. <laughs> It is. That's and you know what? It's one of these beers too that kind of the kids uh, have taken, and it's now like a cool thing. It's a very like, hipster beer. Yes, it's a very hipster beer because it's like it's still cheap, but it's pretty cool, and it's they sell it at all, all the hipster bars, and you can actually like you see a lot of people in like Paps, uh, Paps Blue Ribbon PBR shirts and hats, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a, it's got its own little uh, line. But before all that happened. Um, there was, uh, let me see here, uh, goal. Oh my God. These names are hilarious. <laughs> the The names are just as stupid as Pabst. Um, <laughs> Goldleb and Fred, uh, Frederica Pabst and their 12 year old son, Frederick arrived in the United States in 1848 and settled in Chicago where Frederick eventually found work on the ships of Lake Michigan in 19 or sorry, in 1862, Frederick, the son, uh, married Maria best daughter of the founder and owner of the best brewing company in 1863. And, uh, he became a brewer then at his father-in-law's, uh, brewery. So when Philip best retired to Germany in 1867, Pabst and, Oh my goodness. Emil Schneil. Oh my God, these names. Shandelin, S C H A N D E I N. Oh God, oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so Emilia Shandelin, his sister-in-law's husband and the vice president of Best Brewery, worked to transform the company into one of the nation's largest brewers. Uh, Sounds like a lot of intermarrying here going on. Yeah, so it kind of sounds to me like, uh, well, they they gave kind of the history of uh, uh, Frederick Best, or sorry, Frederick Pabst, who came in and married into the Best family. Mm. So uh, he then uh, took over for his father-in-law, and they uh, would grow, and like I said, they were the best selects, and then they were Pabst selects. Then when he took over, and then they uh, went on to form the uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon after that. And the reason, Carla, it's called Pabst Blue Ribbon is because it won a bunch of uh, Blue Ribbon Awards. Okay, and that makes so sense. he would then, as like a novelty, he would tie uh, Blue Ribbon around the bottles when he sold them. Oh, cool. Oh, well, here, let me read this here, too. Uh, the company has historically claimed its flagship beer was named Pabst Blue Ribbon following the win as America's Best at the World Columbian Exposition in Chicago in 1893. Oh, my so, God. It was part of the Columbia Exposition. That is, like, that's the thing. Like, there's so many things that came out of that exposition. Ex- ex- exposition? Thank you. Um <laughs> Yeah, the the that's where like H. H. Holmes was running his little murder house and Oh really? Uh, yeah, there's a really good book called I think it's called White City. Anyways, look into all the shit that came out of that. I didn't realize Paps came out of it too, but yeah, like a lot of the stuff that we have now came out of that ex <clears throat> Brittany. Exposition. 
Oh man, we're we're just gonna get you drunk and play a game called Can Carla Say Pabst or Exposition? <laughs> the answer is no. Yeah, but I'll try yeah. real hard. Oh my god, I was trying to say I was trying to say orphanages. I can't. I still can't say it. <laughs> yeah, what's that? It. I almost orphanage. can. Uh, orphanage, but I want to yeah. say I want to say orphanages. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't that's know. Also, that's also a word. That so I and I suppose it's pluralized, but it's yeah. it's odd in a sentence when I'm only speaking of one, <laughs> or speaking about it at all for right. any reason. Right. Uh, but I I remember trying to say orphanage on the our uh, our <laughs> uh, notorious Saturday night Zoom call, and I yeah. I think it took me about thirty seven times, and people just they had a look in their eyes that said, "Please stop." <laughs> No. So um yeah so there's a little there's a little um uh ambiguity i suppose on whether it won this specific award but it claims to have and that's okay. uh, and that's why um yeah that's why the the Pabst blue rhythm ribbon is around there so yeah there's a, there's a bunch of kind of things now so um they were they were a big company up until uh, 1977 and then i think they had to uh they went under in 1977 oh they perhaps stole peaked at 18 million barrels in 1977 in 1980 and 1981 the company had four different ceos and by 1982 it was in its fifth beer sales in the u.s company and it dropped down to third in 1980. In 1996, Pabst headquarters left Milwaukee and the company ended the beer production in its main complex. But oh. by 2001, the brand sales were below a million barrels. That year, the company got a new CEO, Brian Kovalchuk, formerly the CEO of Benton, and ma- made some major changes in the marketing of the company. In 2010, the food industry uh, bought the company for uh, a reported $250 million. Mm-hmm. It had a resurgence. So it's, uh, it kind of went under for a little while and then it came back up. It, it almost went under and then they got a bunch of different bazillion different CEOs. In 2015, um, the Pabst won the best large brewing company of the year. So very oh. recently at the Great American Beer Festival. Uh, yeah. I actually... I don't think I was familiar with it. I may have recognized it, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you any like about it. I wouldn't have been able to name it until like the last few years. Well, it really has had sort of a uh, resurgence and it's like the hipsters all like it and they like the branding behind it. So mm-hmm. now I even I even looked on their website and it's hilarious because it's like people are now there you can design the can you can like they have a bunch of t-shirts it's like they, they've sort of um uh, tied their marketing with a bunch of different art people it's all yeah it's all yeah. very it's all very hipstery i do have some fun facts for you just about oh, pabst. Good. pabst singles carla do you know what that is uh are they cigarettes <laughs> No, Pabst stayed alive during Prohibition as a cheese-making business. No. Yep. And it was was called Pabst Et. Oh, man, if you hated the word Pabst, you're going to hate it more (laughs) when they add a dash and then Et. No. Yeah, it was called Pabst Et. 
and uh, the they were a cheese making corporation, and it was eventually purchased by Kraft. And is that where we get Kraft singles from? I believe so. Oh my god! I mean, it might be. Wow. Um, Pabst sold ninety nine cases of PBR over the holidays uh, in two thousand seventeen, and it was only available in Canada. Wait, what? Pabst? Like cases of ninety nine beers in one oh. case. Oh, I was like, 99 cases is not very much. They <laughs> You're like, oh, man, they better rethink this marketing They're strategy. Like, going you get a case with 99 beers? No, why not 100? Uh, I don't know. It must have been... This... I'm guessing that's the... Maybe the stacking of it or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, I do remember that coming out and being like, that's a lot of beer. Yeah. I wonder how much it would cost. Probably lots of hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, Pabst may have invented the six pack. Oh, according to the blog American Beer Museum, Pabst is believed to be the first brewer packaging beers in sixes. This allegedly became the thing after a study determined that six beers was an ideal weight for the average housewife to host of to hoist home from a store. <laughs> Oh, because bitches be not strong enough. You know what? I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to throw this in the face of the man, but I'm going to tell you what. I know a lot of bitches that would just be like, "There's too many. I don't want to oh, carry yeah. it." Oh yeah, yeah. And a six uh, pack is hard to carry if it doesn't have like the little handle on the side. You're just trying to make sure that it doesn't come out of its little duck killing wrapper. Yeah. I don't know. But the duck, yeah, the the old duck killer. Those rings, they still kill the ducks. I don't know. They call it the old quacker snap. <laughs> uh, that's not true. I made that up. Uh, okay. As an alternative explanation, six packs uh, fit snugly into the standard grocery bag. <laughs> You're going to say ladies purse. <laughs> uh, that would have been better. Yeah, that would have been it. It's nicely into the purse of a lady. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, ooh, wow. and uh, and finally, and a fun one, uh, nobody puts Pabst in the corner. Patrick Swayze stars, started a TV <laughs> heart commercial in 1979. Technically, it aired eight years before Dirty Dancing existed, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't what? drink Pabst while hoisting your double feature. <laughs> this oh, pretty good, man. Uh, and this that is not that long ago. But there was yeah, no that's Pabst. a great movie, by the way. So good. Um, and this article is from um, a lovely website called Vine Pair, and it was uh, it was just a couple of great facts about Pabst. So that's really cool. That's it. Out. I was when I was thinking this was going to be a very interesting beer. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I knew there was that much history around it. I just, just like I kind of knew that it was a new hipster thing, but that it had been a, I mean, like a traditional beer. Like a, I'm assuming it was kind of like a Budweiser. Yeah, um, and then it ended up being in that Queen's Gambit movie. Yeah, so. I saw. Do you know what? That's funny. I saw it in there so many times, and I was like, "Oh my yeah. god, was this sponsored by Pabst? Like, how many <laughs> friggin' times?" But yeah, I mean, it also. I, I mean, being being that early on of a of a beer, I mean, mm -hmm. it would have been around and been prevalent in that in that day and age. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. I only have one interesting fact on moving because I kind of got annoyed because all of the sources were moving companies. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm not taking your propaganda. Uh, and also the facts weren't that exciting. But one of the, one of the things was 
the average American moves 11.7 times in their lifetime. So, oh, I'm already there. Are you, I thought you said <laughs> how many did you I say? Only, well, I only I've moved nine times in the last 14 years but before that i think i've moved to at least maybe three three or four times so i have to live here forever now that's true you're stuck that's okay i'm fine that's fine by me (laughs) it's fine by me (laughs) (laughs) well this has been a fun one yeah a lot of a lot of uh, interesting psychology behind it who knew who knew who knew that it was that uh I don't even know. It just rattles people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a good one. Well, in the meantime, we hope you all stay put and uh like, share, and subscribe the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. uh yeah, if you can give it a review, uh say that you loved us and that we made you drink more, that's probably fine too. <laughs> uh and uh we're obviously on all uh social media hit us up on instagram uh with uh, some of your moving stories let us know how Mm. you give us a picture of what your move was are you still living out of boxes 15 years later (laughs) that's fine that's fine um and uh something uh we like to uh really uh beg and plead for uh from the bottoms of our hearts is uh uh if you have it in your heart and you have a few extra bucks kicking around head over to our uh, patreon and maybe this is something you'd like to subscribe to uh we have different levels and it's extra bonus features uh extra episodes a few q and a's uh depending on your level uh, and the way you can get there is right through the Patreon website. You can look up Life Pairings or you can head to our website, which is www.lifepairingspodcast.com. And it'll be up in the right hand corner labeled, you guessed it, Patreon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So it would mean the world uh, to us. I hate to drool on about it, but it really helps us out and um, yeah. helps us just to uh, uh, keep the sound quality up and uh, keep the experiences happening and yeah. uh, keep our billies full of beer. <laughs> yeah, Paps is cheap, but it's not that cheap. <laughs> yeah, not if you drink it like we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we really, we really appreciate your patronage and uh, we appreciate your listenership. So uh, thank you very much for stopping by each week and we hope to see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.